Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Dave, we're back. Here's a question I've got for you. All right. Are you going to put me on the spot? I am. Did you see the lunar eclipse last night with the supermoon at 1147 p.m.? So we're recording this in September, and I absolutely saw it. It was stunning. The red moon, man, incredible. To the point, so I'll tell you a little personal story where um, my wife and I said, we got to get Liam up to check this out. We should have got Bryn, too. This is my daughter, uh, our daughter, I should say. So we grabbed grabbed Liam at 11 o'clock at night and and pretty much carrying him out, and he kind of looks up and he goes, that's cool. And I said, do you want to go back to bed? Yeah. Well, so, just funny. This, so he, yeah. he doesn't know what he missed, but this, it, was, this it was morning. So beautiful. Kaya, I told her about it, my little girl, and she was mad at me for not waking her up to see it. And I was like, like if, he, if I woke you up, you'd be a disaster this morning. So anyway, that that's it. So when we're we're speaking of stars and celestial sights, I've got a guest here today who is a bit of a superstar uh, in my books and yes. in, in in the world of. Uh, You've told me about this. Gentleman. Yes, yes, indeed. And um, his name is Ken McLeod. And Ken is not only a good friend, has become a great friend, he's also the leader and the, the, the head inspirer of the New Brunswick Youth Orchestra. And the New Brunswick Youth Orchestra is something kind of huge, and I'm not even going to start to go into it because I'm going to get Ken to explain uh, what the orchestra is and how uh, programs like uh, Sistema have, have come out of it and what else Sistema is, etc. Ken, welcome to The Bowling Point. Love to get your uh, your introduction. And then there's a few themes I really want to dig into uh, after you let Dave and the, and the audience know a little bit more about what you're doing. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to talk with you. Um, Yes, the New Brunswick Youth Orchestra actually has just finished celebrating its uh, 50th anniversary year. So it started in 1965. Um, it began uh, under the leadership of Philip Olin in St. John, New Brunswick. Um, and uh, I guess through the 90s, the orchestra diminished, really, in terms of uh, you know leadership uh, results, funding, uh, audience, and uh, was in a pretty precarious place as uh, as it began to enter the, the 2000s. Uh, I really got involved with the New Brunswick Youth Orchestra in 2002. My daughter had actually auditioned uh, two times for the NBYO and didn't get in when she was 11 and 12. Finally, in 2002, she hung in there, auditioned, won a seat. And uh, that was my first association with the New Brunswick Youth Orchestra, dropping my daughter at a at a summer camp weekend. Uh, back in 2002. And since then, uh, it has really been a progressive story of growth and change and has become uh, really the leading youth music program in Canada. Which is absolutely a huge thing to say. So Dave, for a little bit of context, just a few years ago, um, I actually joined the board for a, a couple of years, but even just a little bit before that, this was a, f- a fledgling orchestra, like a, a, you know, a really solid concept and had had a great heritage, but it was about to shut its doors. And this is a story of innovation and leadership and really radical optimism. Hmm. Um, and Dave, I know you're already quite familiar with all of this, so why don't we let you continue, Ken, and talk about how the New Brunswick Youth Orchestra 
um, created this life-changing program based on uh, Venezuela's El Sistema and how you've, you guys and, and your team and the whole orchestra has been able to change the lives of so many kids in Canada, right across the board, let alone here in New Brunswick. Sure, I'd be glad to. Maybe I could give a little snapshot of then and now and, uh, and, and talk about you know, some of the elements of the story. Uh, you know, back in 2002, the NBYO uh, had about you know, 70 musicians. It was one single orchestra, uh, had a budget of about only $25,000, uh, two part-time staff, uh, did five concerts in a season and had under a thousand patrons in an entire year. Um, as we look at the organization today, uh, there are uh, almost 800 children and youth in our programs. Uh, we would have uh, between 12 and 15 orchestras. Um, also, a budget of about 200, uh, 2.5 million dollars. We have 55 employees on the payroll. Uh, last season, we actually did 82 concert events and had 31,000 patrons attend those events last season. So it's been really a transformational story for the New Brunswick Youth Orchestra and very exciting. And right here in New Brunswick, uh, this has happened. Um, I, I still remember back in 2002, I dropped my daughter off. I stood beside the chair of the board at that time, and she said to me, just a comment on the side, that they had received a letter to participate in a festival at Carnegie Hall. Uh, they weren't thinking of doing that. The budget was only $25,000. You know, the idea of actually engaging in a big project of that kind, I think, uh, you know, hadn't occurred to them. Uh, I still remember thinking at that very moment is how can we not say yes? Uh, what an extraordinary opportunity that is. And, uh, and I couldn't help think that that one thing would help you know, move the organization forward, uh, maybe more than everything they've done collectively in the past, in the past 10 years. And I think it's that idea, how could we not say yes, which has been uh, at, at the foundation of the success of the organization uh, since 2002. So just to complete the story for Carnegie, we did say yes. Uh, I created a budget, presented it to the board. The budget was, uh, was, um, $140,000. And imagine this is an organization that had an annual budget of only twenty-five. Um, uh, we raised $145,000. We went to Carnegie, not only played on, on, on that fantastic stage at Carnegie Hall, uh, but also uh, a documentary film was done on the story. So the orchestra was followed by cameras for 10 months. Uh, doing fundraising, rehearsals, on the buses, on the stage at Carnegie Hall. Uh, it was a, a very, very proud moment for the organization and for the province. Um, can, and, can, can I stop you for a second yeah. there? I mean, this is I mean, what a fabulous story. I mean, like the the growth is incredible in terms of, and, and I'm, I'm guessing we're going to talk about the impact, right? Yeah. Um, what what comes to mind just you know you're so you're back in and you're you're it's 2002 you said how can we not say yes okay that makes a lot of sense and then um like what what's your background like what helped you um, you know, really be able to go in and, 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 you know, for example, at Carnegie Hall, um, you know, know to present a budget and start fundraising. Like what, what, what was your, you know, I guess, you know, what are you, what were you leveraging to, to do that? That's a good question. I'm not a musician, so I don't play anything. Uh, 
but I've had a diverse background, really. I started my career as a, as a scientist. I, I taught and did research in heart muscle physiology. Uh, I then became a development director at the university where I taught. I was then involved in a major gifts program and helped raise $13 million to, to to build a new campus on a new site. Uh, I then was elected to the legislature in New Brunswick and also started a fundraising consulting company with an office in Moncton and Toronto. And for 20 years, we've served clients all across Canada, all kinds of charities, from small local charities to among the largest in the country. So really, I've had a lot of varied experiences, and all of that uh, came, to, you know, I had to draw on every bit of those experiences uh, over this past uh, 12 or 13 years in in, uh, in in my work with the New Brunswick Youth Orchestra. So it was, in a way, wasn't it, it was like, I mean, this, you know, almost, uh, you know, too good to be true timing, you know, like, I mean, amazing to think someone with that kind of experience sitting there with the current, you know, the, the I guess the, the, the executive director at the time and this passing comment, I mean, and you just pounced, like, so you literally pounced on that. Well, it, you know, it, it's, uh, I, I like the word pounce, you know, it, it's about uh, seeing opportunity and, and taking it. One of, one of the qualities of leadership that I've come uh, to think is really important is the idea of taking action. You know, the idea that, that, that leaders don't wait. Uh, one of the sayings that I really like is uh, that I'd rather be wrong than in doubt, uh, you know, because if we're in doubt, we're not taking action. And if we're not taking action, we're not creating value. And uh, so so I think that action orientation is a really important part of leadership. It's a very important part of growing organizations. It's seeing opportunity, embracing it, and taking the steps that are necessary to move plans forward. And and so we've done that. I, I you know I'll just sketch for you Carnegie. That was that was the first. That was in 2003. And then uh, two years later, we did another tour to Italy. And then two years after that, we did a tour to China. And then following that, a tour to Austria. And just this past summer, an international tour to Austria, Germany, and the Czech Republic. And, and in the process of doing those, other important things happened. Uh, each time we recorded a CD. So the first one came from the Carnegie. It was the very first recording ever of the New Brunswick Youth Orchestra. So we've now recorded five CDs. Uh, we also commissioned original works for some of these tours. And by the way, these are things that are being done by major professional orchestras in the country, rarely by youth orchestras. We also engaged guest artists for collaborations. We brought in uh, special guest artists to do clinics and workshops, really, you know, leading uh, musicians, not just in Canada, but even in the world. And, and all of these things produced results, which isn't surprising. Um, we won an East Coast Music Award for Classical Recording of the Year, uh, three other ECMA nominations featured in two nationally televised documentaries, uh, one done by Hemings House Pictures, of course, uh, called Sistema Revolution. Uh, and, and, of course, the audiences have, 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 have grown progressively over that time. So really a matter of, uh, of you know, just continuously taking steps that are available, uh, you know, proactively taking, uh, taking action and, uh, and creating value. And the uh, the Sistema Revolution film that uh, Ken mentions, uh, 
is very critical to me because it was the crux in my business that I realized that we could use the medium of film storytelling, documentary storytelling, to help make real change in the community. So it's a very special uh, project that I reference often. Um, Ken, I'd, I would like to really quickly jump into the Sistema story, yeah. uh, but like even before the Sistema story started, where you saw that there was a need in the market for classical music to be in the hands of everyone, not just yeah. an elite few and not just keep it for a, a, as a meritocracy, but allow classical music to be accessible to everyone. Talk about this a little bit, and that yeah. gets all gets all of us excited to talk about the real impact uh, that that music can have on people and and what you guys are doing in, in leading that space. Yeah, well, uh, well, I guess about eight years ago now, maybe seven, eight years ago, I I was actually just searching the internet for a guest conductor for the NBYO, and came across the name of Gustavo Dudamel, and he was this young twenty four year old conductor. And he, had, he was from Venezuela, and he had just been hired by the Los Angeles Philharmonic. And he was replacing a 30-year veteran. So this young guy out of Venezuela uh, at one of the leading you know, professional orchestras in the world. And he, he came out of this program in Venezuela called El Sistema. And I began to read about it and literally got inspired by it. Uh, it's, it's the, El Sistema is... is, is, is the, was developed by a man named Jose Abreu. And he had this vision of social change through music and the orchestra. And he's, he's an economist, he's a musician, and he literally started in a parking garage with 11 children. And he gave them instruments and he said, you come back tomorrow and I'll teach you how to play music. And the next day there were 25 kids. The next day there were 38. Within a month they had 1,000. Within three months, they did their first concert. And today in Venezuela, it's, it's the leading program of its kind in the world. They have about 400,000 children and youth every day in their program in Venezuela. So I, I remember that uh, Hemings House was, was filming one of our guest artist concerts, and Greg was there, and we were having a conversation. And uh, I, I love this word, pounce, and I'm just going to use it again because I just mentioned to, to you, Greg, that we were looking into this idea of social change through music and we're going to go and check it out in Venezuela. And instantly, uh, you recognized opportunity. You saw something that appealed to you and you said, I have, to, I have to film that, I have to document that. And that was the beginning of that uh, film documentary. It was very important for the development of our organization as well. Uh, but ultimately... Uh, that the that idea that was just a germ of an idea when I read about it, uh, I couldn't leave it. I couldn't put it down. Uh, I ended up writing a two-page brief on the idea of Sistema. And, and there was a question at the end of the two pages that I put. And the question was, could this fit and work in New Brunswick to help kids that are left out and left behind? And uh, I, I, I spent eight months just peddling that brief to anyone that would listen to elected officials, government uh, uh, senior staff, business leaders, community leaders. Uh, the next step was to go to Venezuela and see it for ourselves. And then, uh, you know, when we were there, it, it, it just was overwhelming. I, I would say we literally felt compelled to do something. And uh, when we, ret we returned to 
New Brunswick in the middle of June 2009 and opened our first Sistema Center three months later. So uh, we had one teacher and 50 kids. It was madness and chaos, and we didn't know what we were doing, but, uh, but we had started. And, uh, and I guess this idea of pouncing and taking action was, again, uh, you know, p- part of our reality. And, and uh, sorry, Dave, um, I, the, the impact has been huge because today it's just seven, like 700, 800 kids learning every day in, in, in New Brunswick alone, Ken. And yes. It- so we had some goals in the first uh, five or six years. Uh, we, wanted to, we wanted to answer certain questions. Would kids come? And by the way, that wasn't automatic. Many people said that kids in North America would not come five days a week, three hours a day. This is a very intensive program. Uh, the, the second is, would they stay? So would we see, and by the way, would they come? We've, we've essentially almost every year have about two or three times more applications than we have space for. So we have hundreds, literally, of kids on waiting lists. Uh, would they stay? Our attrition rate is only 20%, which is really strong. Would we see social change? Uh, within about three months of starting, we began to see dramatic changes. So kids are learning focus and discipline. Uh, they're learning how to cooperate with others in an orchestra. We saw uh, absenteeism from school drop. We saw better literacy and academic performance of kids in school. And so we began to not just see change, but real transformational change for those kids that are left out, the ones that were falling through the cracks. And, uh, and literally, those children are on a different path. That's the thing that's so exciting to me. Well, and it would be, it would be helpful to, like, when you say kids applied, like, what's the process or who, who exactly were, are, I guess, would be the, you know, the, the beneficiaries of this yeah. initially? Because, you know, unfortunately, you got to say no to some people because of the uh, just limits of probably yeah. resources and that sort of thing. Yeah, we, we decided to partner with local school districts. And, uh, and then what we did is we identified those schools uh, uh, that would be referred to as priority schools that were in neighborhoods with uh, lower socioeconomic profile. And those became the only schools that we recruited from. We really wanted to engage those kids who didn't have options. And one of the things that we're learning is that you know, when kids are left out, and by the way, they're left out for a lot of reasons, but one of them is economic. That That's a massive one. Uh, but when they're left out, it means there's no engagement. And when those kids aren't engaged, there's no success in their life. And if there's no success, there's no sense of hope or opportunity. That is the, that's the very negative uh, uh, spiral that profoundly influences uh, children who grow up in economically disadvantaged backgrounds. And the unfortunate thing, and we know this, is that poverty is intergenerational. Uh, so so we, we need to find a path to a different future. And, uh, and, and we found this has been a, a very powerful tool for social change and social development. Uh, I mean, it's I mean, totally inspiring to think of the, the kids that are being impacted, and it sounds like in multiple ways. Um, and I just want to, I know we got to wrap up here, Ken, unfortunately, and maybe we can have a part two with Ken because I'd love to hear more about this yeah. personally. Um, <laughs> but one of the things I'm, I'm just curious about, um, you know, 
like, you know, and let's go back to it because I think the theme coming in here is like this idea of pouncing on ideas and actually taking action. And, you know, you've done that multiple times. Greg is famous for that. I've seen it in action. And, and clearly you guys know each other because of the same kind of concept. Um, but, you know, like there's this idea sometimes people hesitate, you know, when you're describing having dealt because they're not sure where to start or what or maybe they're they only see the first step, but they can't see the, the fourth and fifth step. Like what would your advice be to a listener who should be pouncing an idea right now um, based on your experience, Ken? Well, you know what? I, I would say don't wait. Uh, you know, that would be our experience the whole way. I, you know, I, I think if I had, if I had have had a vision of six years down the road, I don't know if I would have had the courage or the fortitude to take that first step. Uh, so I would say, uh, I, maybe there's two other things. One, it's about personal responsibility. It's simply saying, what can I do to make a difference? And it's accepting that. And, and this word vision is another part of it. You know, sometimes we think it's some mystical thing, you know, and and that, that it's only the purview of a few special people. But I don't think that's the case. I, I think it's about having a dream. You know, I, I, I saw this story in Venezuela and it ignited something in my mind and in my heart. But But there's a second part to vision. It's having a dream, but then it's a set of intentions. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's making some plans. It's doing something to set yourself in motion toward a destination. It's making a commitment. I think leadership is ordinary people doing extraordinary things one step at a time. And uh, so I, 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 I don't think it requires a special title. Uh, I don't think it requires uh, uh, the leadership gene. You know, only certain people get it, right? So uh, I do think it's this idea of taking responsibility of a set of intentions, of plans, of getting into motion, and of taking action. That's fantastic. And and, and knowing Ken uh, and your team, uh, the board members, and all the incredible musicians that are part of it, I see a massive success. And I, I agree with you, Dave. We, we should actually do a 2.0 sometime, Ken, with you to talk a little bit deeper about this, because we're running out of time. But what I'd, I would like to do before we sign off is, why don't you just give us a really quick snapshot of, uh, of the future of New Brunswick Youth Orchestra, because I know you guys closed uh, some rounds of uh, funding raises, and there's a lot of exciting things happening with the orchestra and with Sistema. Uh, why don't you close us off with a few things that we can all look forward to? I'd love to do that. Uh, the New Brunswick Youth Orchestra just finished this whole year program called Keeping Faith. It was a, a, a World War One commemoration tour that took us to Europe and then to, throughout New Brunswick and to Ottawa. It was a very successful program. As far as Sistema is concerned, we've just confirmed our next four-year plan. And so in the next four years, we'll actually double in size in the province. Uh, we have four locations now. We'll be going to eight locations in the province. Uh, we'll have about 1,000 to 1,200 kids daily by 2018 and a professional staff of about 65. So that's very, very exciting, and we're on that path now. Uh, the only other thing, we started a whole new venture this past year, and that is Pops NB. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's like Boston Pops. It's an out, a summer, free summertime outdoor orchestral music event. And we had our first event this past summer. We had, it was a four-hour event, four orchestras, more than 400 orchestral musicians. And we had about 6,000 people in our first year. So we're on uh, an exciting path, and... Uh, and more to come. 
And uh, why don't you let the, the listeners know how to get in touch with you and how to follow the, uh, this amazing, evolving story. Yeah, I'm glad to connect anytime. Uh, K, K. McLeod at nbyo-ojnb.com. So K-M-A-C-L-E-O-D at nbyo-ojnb.com. That's great. Well, Ken, thank you so much for the inspiration, man. You're, uh, you're, you're a great motivator for me to continue trying to make impact in the world. And uh, uh, I think, Dave, you're right. We've uh, got to get him back on. 100%. Yeah, thanks, Ken. Uh, and, and just a lot of wisdom there. I really appreciate you sharing it with us. Thank you. Great fun. Talk soon. Thanks. See you later, Ken. Bye-bye. So, Greg, um, what, a, what a great I mean, uh, you know, we, I know we say this about all the guests, but I mean, <laughs> my God, that is very cool. And I love his, his, his approach to leadership, you know, yeah. and the, the, uh, and, and the fact that it's not just, you know, and as, as, as I would say all our guests, I mean, it's not this idea, but he's, you know, it's well thought through, but I mean, and very practical, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and this, for me, what really resonates this is that an idea, and maybe because I maybe I need to be doing it more in my life. I don't know, um, but you know, seeing something and actually taking the first steps to to try to help the situation. It's a definition of leadership by uh, you know I'm paraphrasing by Dr. Margaret Wheatley. Um, he you know can uh, demonstrates that massively. So uh, that was the big takeaway for me in this idea of kind of pouncing on that idea and taking action. Yeah, yeah, he's a, a yes guy, you know. Um but with with saying yes, you have to also know how to say no. And I've seen Ken do this like constantly, but it's all vision focused, which is uh, very, very cool to see. And the other thing is, this is not his full time job, but he puts his full time hours into this. This is his such a passion. Uh, and as far as impact is concerned, if anybody wants to see how one small group of uh, of people can make a massive uh, impact in the world, follow the Sistema story. Uh, there's countries around the world that are looking at what New Brunswick is doing. Well, and so how would people check out, um, you know, bits and, uh, if not the whole documentary that you well, did? Well, yeah, the film that we did, if you're in Canada, yeah. you can watch it on cbc.ca. Just type in CBC Sistema Revolution. And, and how Sistema is spelled? S-I-S-T-E-M-A, Revolution. And then you can you can see the story of the early days of when we went to Venezuela with Ken and the team to bring this inspiration back. Um, if you're not in Canada, I personally am very happy to share you with you a link and a password to watch it online. So just send me an email, greg at hemmingshouse.com, and you get a special link. And that's it. That's the way we roll here on The Boiling Point. We're sharing all Love the it. intellectual property, left, right, Thank and center. You. That's good. Thanks, uh, thanks, Dave, for this. This, is, this has been fun. Again. Yeah. Again. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> See ya. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.